This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Fellowship Deep Dive. Uh, this is Johnny, and John, we're with you this week, hoping you have a good, good one so far. We, uh, you, you brought up something which was really cool this week. Um, the title of the sermon, obviously, is, is Have You Lost Your Mind? Yeah. And the question is, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> I just turned 44, and I feel my mind is wait, going. Wait, 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 wait. You just turned 44. I just turned like, 44. when did you turn 44? Yesterday. Yesterday. So I'm old now, officially. So happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I mean, it's not, I mean, is it really happy after 40? Well, I don't this know. was my birthday wish, is to record a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, there you so go. things are good. <laughs> things are good. But yeah, no, so I, I have lost my mind. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of brought up something which was kind of cool. Um, William Harvey, yeah, the science, the medical doctor, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of brought some new light on the circulatory system and and all that kind of stuff, and no mm-hmm. one believed him, and mm-hmm. and they probably thought he lost his mind, but yeah. he he knew what he was talking about. He ended up being right. Yeah, and then you know, there's some cool things I've heard. Some things I I, I did some mild Google research. Oh, you did. So it's not really. Research. So this is this is what you're saying is this is highly trustworthy because it's on the internet. Exactly. But I'm gonna go with the, it's trustworthy. I'm gonna go with it's trustworthy. So uh, I looked up some facts on the circulatory system because I think it's very fascinating. Actually, um, <laughs> did you know, John? Hey, just just hang in there, and in case you guys are going, oh my goodness, this is gonna be really boring. That's all right. We'll, no, it'll it's be, really cool. It'll be more fun in a few minutes. It's super interesting. So the heart beats 115 times, 115,000 times a day which is about 3 billion times in your lifetime. That's pretty cool. Okay. So the heart's an amazing muscle, right? 8 million uh, blood cells die every second. And 8 million <laughs> more are, are produced every, every second. Okay. So like you lose 8 million, but you gain 8 million. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, it takes about 20 seconds for the blood to circulate through the whole body. Okay. That's pretty cool. But this is my favorite one. All the arteries, veins, and capillaries of a human adult stretch end to end would equal about 100,000 miles. And is estimated to wrap around the earth four times. Yeah, I've heard that's that one crazy, before. That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, that's and, pretty crazy. And and that's just crazy how evolution works like that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, you know whoa, how whoa, we've whoa. evolved? Like my that my blood vessels and veins decided, hey. Okay, we want to keep listeners, <laughs> not try to away John. We we do not believe that evolution is uh, right. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, that's my my way of. I, I just think it's it's amazing. I think it, you know, the way God creates us. It, yeah, it's amazing. You know, and. Um, the fact that there is to, a creator. To be, to be clear, we're not anti-science either. By the way, we just we just think uh, you know these things point to a designer. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I get a little bit uh, carried away. I think carried away with it, but you know it is true. I think I I think you know which there, which by the way, um, you're you're forty four. Yeah. Yeah, and then and and now you're it's you're it's already time oh in your goodness. life to be called grandpa. Yeah, it's coming. I think we do. We talk about this last well, I week. Think, what do you mean it's coming? Well, I mean, it's it's in utero. Is that a thing? The baby's coming. Well, D-Day. Okay, well, it hasn't exited the womb, but no. it's a baby. Yeah, it's coming. It's a it's a living oh, yeah. you know, human I, being. It's a grandchild. You know, I believe in that. Yes. Um, but technically, I'm, I'm not quite... No, 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 no. There's no way out of this. You I are know. grandpa. It's Grandpa <laughs> it's Johnny. It's coming. Yeah. No, it's here. It's Grandpa it's, it's Johnny. Here. It's in the womb, yes, for sure. And um, I'm excited about that. But no, I do get, I do get a little... Uh, you know, I, I get a little, you know, I, I get like the whole evolution thing. I get it. You know, if you're not a believer, you have to point to something, you right. know, but man, I'm telling you, you know, I think it's my, 
I don't know, my, my zealous nature towards the holiness of God and, and how amazing he is. Yeah. And then just try to dismiss. And even if you try to marry the... I just have a hard time with that. You know, try to dismiss that God is the ultimate creator. Yeah. It really, it kind of bugs me like, oh, but I get there's maybe even some Christians that try to rationalize the evolution and creation thing together. But I'm telling you, I don't know. It just for me, it just doesn't, it well, doesn't we'll do sit well. We'll do a little well. promo. We'll do, since you brought up evolution, we'll do a little promo because we're going to be doing, um, we're going to be doing a series in the fall and it's going to be apologetics oriented and um, it's going to answer some, some of the big questions. We can't answer everything because it's, you know, there's too many questions, but especially for people who, um, you know, maybe you have some questions about God. They've, they've heard, you know, whether it's evolution or other things that, that we don't need God to explain anything or that, you know, God's like a fairy tale or whatever, those kinds of things. Um, we're going to answer some of those questions in the fall. It's going to be really good and really exciting. And uh, it'll be a great time to, to bring people that might have those kind of questions too. Hmm. Well, John, as we, uh, Continue from last week's sermon. You talked about how you, have you lost your mind? Uh, we're still in the series New Life, and you know there is one thing where I do go, man, my mind is boggled. I don't understand how people how we live in a society. We do. It's yeah. a postmodern society where truth is relative. Yeah, you have your truth, and I have my truth, and there's no absolute truth. Yeah. Well, um, I, th- I think that's I think that's too. A certain extent, true, but I think, and this is just a comment on how I think society's training or changing. But um, you know, there is there are still a lot of people that think that. But I think there's even more people now that are starting to say things like this, like, like, well, that 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 might be true, but it doesn't matter because this is how I feel. In other words, our feelings have begun to override what is true, and and it's not that people deny that there's truth; it's just that they don't think it's important. So you think it's almost like a. a in the, in the beginning, it was like, well, there's no absolute truth. And yeah. then we kind of even maybe have kind of wised up to say, okay, there, there, there yeah. obviously is truth. Yeah. Okay, which is good, obviously. But now they're saying, well, okay, accept that there is truth. I just don't feel like that's valid in my life. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to I'm, I'm going to ignore this it. truth. That they're very selective and it's, and it's primarily based on their emotions. In, in, in ethics, they call this emotivism um, or, or that's one 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 reference to it anyways and so yeah so it's based on so i determine how i act not based on what is true but based on how i feel about whatever it is hmm. yeah so okay well good well that's good to know I, I mean hopefully that's true because when it comes to just a side that that really does just boggle my mind when you think about how people will re- reject something that's mm-hmm. obviously true yeah and well it's good at least but but when you ignore truth or yeah. even say, maybe, so I'm going to change the question on us. Yeah. So let's say, okay, this is true, but I don't want to accept it. Or I don't yeah. feel it. Why is that dangerous? Well, I mean, truth is a stubborn thing. You know, it kind of, it'll, it'll punch you in the face, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and obviously in physical ways, it's, it's very easy to demonstrate that. But in other ways, it's less, um, it's less obvious how, how truth kind of punches us in the face. You know, when it comes to physical things, well, if you just decide that I'm going to ignore that the traffic light is red and I'm going to blow through the intersection anyways, it might literally punch you in the face, punch you in the face, (laughs) T-bone you in the face, yeah, T-bone you in the face, so to speak. So, so there, there's obviously those kind of consequences to those kinds of truths. And, but it's much easier to talk about those pieces of truth that are less physical in nature um, because we don't experience the consequences of rejecting those truths in the same way. We still experience them, but sometimes it's more on a longer term, term basis or it's not as physical. And so we, um, you know, so we just kind of 
try to ignore it, but eventually it will uh, punch us in the face, so to speak. And, and, you know, some examples of that might be, um, when it comes to morals and values, for, for example, you know, if you decide, well, I, I know it's, I know it's bad to lie, right. To people, to mm-hmm. deceive people. That's, that's wrong. It's bad. I accept that as a moral reality, but I, you can get away with it for a little while. Yeah. And it, and you might be able to maintain relationships for a little while, but eventually people are going to see what you're doing and they're going to respond and you're going to lose those relationships. You're going to realize that you've hurt people. And if you don't think so, I talk to people who have lived a lifestyle and this happens with addicts a lot. Like they lie, they lie, they lie, they lie, they lie. And then eventually when you catch them in a sober moment, they'll regret all of that because it's punched them in the face. Yeah. And, and so I think, so I think the, you know, truth, truth will, will, it's a stubborn thing and it will, um, rear its head and it will punch us in the face, so to speak. I don't know why yeah. we're using punch us in the face, but it just seems really abrupt. And that's what it will do eventually. Well, it's a harsh reality. Truth is harsh. And sometimes it and can be, yeah, it takes a, actually it takes a very mature person to go. Uh, yeah, that's valid. I think, uh, when my wife and I were having dinner last night and I think I was trying to micromanage a situation. Oh yeah. And, uh. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I was like, we should do it this way. Yeah. And she goes, I kind of feel like you're micromanaging me. And I go, oh, <laughs> you're right. I, I am. Did you actually say that? Did you tell her Did she I was her, right? I think I'd said. Or is this like no, the apology think, podcast? No, no. I think, <laughs> I think I said that's valid. And and the reality was I didn't like to hear that. Right. And I wanted to, to argue about it or fight about it or something yeah. and not accept that what she was saying is true, but it was true. Yeah. And I was trying to micromanage the situation. I had to just kind of like stop and step back and go, okay. But I think that the reality is, is when we're confronted with truth, it takes a mature person. And I'm not saying I'm mature because sometimes I act like a child. <laughs> depends but, on the day. Yeah. It depends on the day of the moment, but it takes maturity to, to embrace truth. Yeah. Um, when you, when you lack maturity, then you, you'll fight back or you'll resist or cause you're feeling secure. Yeah. And this, this truth is saying you, you're not what you think you are. Right. Or you're not doing what you think you are and you need to do it differently. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't like that. I don't right. like that. I'm going to do my own thing. So, uh, it does, it does feel like, uh, you know, we're losing our mind. Um, when it comes to doing stuff, you talked about something that I think a lot of us don't like to hear, you know, when it, we think about, heaven is this great place and there's mm. going to be, it's going to be awesome yeah. and I can just accept Christ yeah. and I'm good to go. And, and that while that is true, there is this thing called an accounting, you yeah. know, we will be rewarded based on what we do on this earth. And this, it's kind of hard to reconcile that. And first Corinthians three, uh, 10 through 15 says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than that which was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using silver, gold, costly stones, wood or hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. The day, capital day. Yeah, yeah. The day. Um, The day of the the Lord. Uh, It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Almost done. Verse 14. If what has been uh, built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only escaping through the flames. So what does this kind of talk about? You know, it sounds like there's some works evaluation, maybe Mm -hmm. some. uh, Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, it's interesting. And I think that this is really hard because we don't want to associate our works with our salvation. And I think, and think that's good. That's a good instinct to have in general. But the reality is that it, it's, we ought not come to the place where we believe that our works really have no meaning at all. Um, and, and that's where some Christians have come where we go, well, I accepted Jesus, but then, and they think they can just kind of live however they want and it's, and it's no big deal. And, and sometimes we, you know, we, we talk about that as an extreme, right? So we go, well, I can live however I want. Um, and, and that's kind of extreme. And some people go, well, I don't do that. I don't live however I want. Right. But there's still areas of your life where you do that. There's smaller areas, pockets of your life, and you don't see it as a big deal, but God does. And, and, and I think that's really important for us to, to constantly be striving towards holiness, towards Christ likeness in our life in every area. And that there is a judgment of sorts. It's not like you're going to go to hell. That's not what this, this specific thing in first Corinthians five is talking about. It's often called the, the, the Bema, um, seat of judgment or the Bema seat of Christ or whatever. But, but this, this particular judgment isn't a judgment of you're going to go to hell or, or you're going to go to heaven, but there is an evaluation of what did you do? It's kind of like the parable of the talents in, in, in a certain respect, right? Well, what did, you, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you do good or did you do bad? And there's an accounting of that. And I think, you know, and people argue about this, theologians within Christianity argue about exactly what happens um, here. Um, you know, some people talk about there being rewards. First Corinthians nine talks about there being a reward. You know, where Paul talks about the crown of life, and and so and so there is kind of this. Some people go, well, it's it's a, it's it's an accounting, but it's so that you can receive rewards, and and that I think that could be an aspect of this. But in the text, it says for for what for what is good and for what is evil, and so for what is good and what is bad, and so and so there's both sides of it, and so there is an accounting not only for what is good for the rewards, but there's an accounting in a sense for going. But if you did wrong and you did evil, there's an accounting for that too, and and you know what exactly that is. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you, but I think that there will be embarrassment in some ways, conviction, right? That, that even in that moment, not that we'll live with that forever, but there will be that moment of going, hey, you know, here, you didn't do what you should have done. And I think that that's, that accountability is super, super important. Um, and we should not begin to think that just because we've received salvation through grace, that now there's no accountability at all following that there is, um, but, you know, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ, you are going towards heaven and eternal life with God, right? And so that's the new heavens and the new earth. And so we can, we can rest assured in that, but, but that's not the only thing there is. Mm-hmm. There, is a, there is more, um, yeah. and we need to be, we need to be uh, aware of that. Well, kind of sounds like you're even talking about, you know, prolonging some even consequence. Like, ah, uh, this lie is never going to catch up to me, even in our, our spiritual growth sometimes i think we we might lean too much like only i mean obviously we lean on the cross for total salvation but yeah. then we just check out right and then you even see it like in the church too back in back in when paul was writing you know should i continue to sin so that grace no Maybe you not, should right. not yeah you want to make sure that you're living your life with no regrets to the fullest trying to glorify and honor god but the question the tricky part is though is if grace propels us to do these things yes you know, why is there an accounting? Or how do we tap into that grace? Because really you can't, you know, the, the, the true believer who is really on fire and doing great things and has a pure motive and a pure heart would always go back and say, it's the grace that propels me to do this. Yeah. It's only through Christ that I do these things. I give all the glory and honor to him anyways. Like truly, that's, right. that's what they would, should say that. 
So how do, I mean, do we tap into this grace? Do we, you know, is that, I mean, do we just watch, like, if that's what propels us, you know, what do we do with that? I mean, yeah. Well, no, I think that's super important. I think if we've, if we've really experienced the grace of God in our life, right, you know, um, whether, you know, we talk about that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which I think I brought up on Sunday. Uh, you know, it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast, right? So it's, it's, it's by grace through faith. It's not by our works so that we can't boast in ourselves that it is not as if we have accomplished this thing, right? But it has been accomplished through the power of Christ, through the power of the cross. And then verse 10, so that you can do the good works that I have planned ahead of time for you to do. In other words, in other words, there's this idea of, of yes, we, we experience salvation through grace, but even the works that we do, the good works that we do, are, are propelled by God's grace in our life. It changes our heart. You know, we, we, you know, it talks about, you know, the Old Testament talks about, um, you know, we were given, we, we have a heart of stone, but God gives us a heart of flesh, right? And, and so there's this idea of, of hardness of heart and then, uh, and then life, new life, new life in the new heart that we get. And that's what happens when we experience the gospel. Here's the reality. If there is not a change in your life and how you view the world and in your heart and how, and in your purposes in life, from when you did not know Christ to when you did know Christ, then my suggestion was would be that you stop and and and, and go. You know what? I maybe need to revisit whether I even actually did encounter the the risen Christ in any significant way. When Paul encountered the risen Christ, I know it was in a different way than than the rest of us encounter the risen Christ. But but when he encountered the risen Christ, he went from persecution to proclamation. And he went from persecuting the Christians to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news. And, and that's what that's what happens in our hearts. We change. We, we begin to see the world differently. It begins to be less about us and more about Jesus. It begins to be less about... Um, you know, our careers and more about how we can serve God, whatever our career is. It becomes less about whether we like the things at church as far as the preferences we might have. Um, as, and it becomes about how can I serve Jesus in the local body of believers where I and exist. love on people, and love on people, love yeah. God and love people and make disciples. How am I doing those things? And, and so your perspective changes. Are there things that can kind of limit the the grace we receive? Are there ways that we can do that to ourselves? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, you look, you go back and look, and we all struggle, right? Paul struggled. Romans seven, I think, is is is, and I know people argue about that too, but um, you know, where, where Paul says, I, "I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do." <laughs> you know, who who will free me from this bondage that I'm in? And, and and of course, at the end of the chapter, it's it's Jesus Christ. And then the and the first verse of the next chapter is, "There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." Romans eight one, right? And so there is this idea, um, you know, that that we have these things and we're propelled differently, but but we still live in an intermediate state, if you will, in the sense of we live in the realm of, I talked about on Sunday, the realm of faith. We, we, we have not yet, we don't yet live in the realm of sight. We will get there when, when either when Jesus returns or when we die and go see Jesus face to face, right? Um, that will be the realm of sight. But right now we live in the realm of faith where there is we're still a fallen world. Um, and where we still battle these things in our life. And so it is not the idea that once you accept Christ that you now live in perfection. It is the idea that, that now that you are in Christ, um, you pursue that with everything that you have and, and, and your purposes and your, your, um, 
the, the reason you do things has changed. Now I want to serve Christ. You mentioned uh, faith just now, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, on Sunday you're talking about how we're not really supposed to, I mean, not like we're not supposed to, but um, living in faith isn't really necessarily a blind thing. God has given, yeah. he's laid him, laid things out pretty clearly in, in certain things and even give, given us evidence in the past. But there are, you're even talking about some contradictions where people might think, um, dispute different passages in the Bible and stuff. There's different, there's different mysteries, what we call maybe mysteries of God, where we don't fully completely understand what God is doing or how he's going to do things. Yeah. Um, is there some sort of a correlation or a difference between having faith and then, and then just trusting in the mysteries of God where it comes to, I don't understand what he's doing. Oh, Sure. Sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. You know, we, God gives us what we need. He's given us his word, uh, scripture, right? And that's, um, one of the things we'll talk about, by the way, in the apologetic series is, 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 is that a little bit, you know, can we trust God's word, God's word, that kind of thing, but he's given us his word. So he's given us, he's given us what we need and, uh, and, and we need to recognize that, but that doesn't mean he's given us everything. Uh, he doesn't, he hasn't given us every, a piece of understanding that we can have regarding who he is, his character, um, all those kinds of things. We we know in part, and and the Bible talks about fullness of knowledge, but I don't think that. But that's not the same as omnipotence either. Or, I mean, sorry, omniscience. I got the wrong omni there for a omni. second. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, so so there's a sense in which we will know in in, in we will have a fullness of knowledge later, but it's not that we will know everything. So there's there's mysteries about God, you know, the Trinity. You know, one, one God, you know, three persons, one, you know, how, how does that work? And, and there's been, you know, people arguing about that for a long time and how exactly that works. And, and we don't know exactly the details, but we, we know enough, we know enough. And so God's given us enough. And so, so we just need to rely on that and to, and to trust that where we can't understand things that God will reveal those if we need them. And he will reveal those in the new heavens and new earth if we want to sit there and ask him or whatever, however that works, I'm not exactly sure. But, um, so there's mysteries and that's fine. But what we do know is what propels our faith, right? It's not, it's not a faith based on absence of knowledge. It's a base. It's a faith based on what we do know. It's the same way in the, in other areas of our lives. We don't know everything. And so we, we make assumptions based on what we do know, not based on what we don't know. And the faith is the same way. We ba- we make it based on what we do know. What do we know? Well, we know that, that there was a beginning to the universe. Okay, well, if there was a beginning to the universe, then there must have been something that caused it to come into existence. Um, and, so, and so you kind of go through that apologetic series of arguments. You go, well, God makes sense. God brought the universe into existence. We know that that humanity screwed up. Well, the story of the Bible makes sense of that when it talks about the fall, right? And so, and so we know that we know that we know that uh, based on God's word, we know that that he he took on human flesh, that he lived on this earth, that he went to a cross, that he that he died, that he rose again. And we know that not because it's a fairy tale, but because we have evidence, because we have eyewitness testimony, not just one or two or three, but many eyewitness testimonies about the resurrection, about this this guy who died was put in a grave, and on the third day he rose again and was seen alive. After that, we, we know that there are miracles because, again, we have eyewitness testimony to these things happening. And so all these things, you, you begin to look at that and you go, okay, well, there's sufficient evidence. There's sufficient things we can know. I think, I think having faith in God's a good idea. And so just kind of realizing that, and I think, I think making sense of that, um, you know, matters. Faith isn't 
the absence based on the absence of knowledge, but on knowledge. But there are some, you know, there are some things that we don't know and that's okay. Of course, yeah. Of course. And, 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 and people, when they don't have the answer and they don't get an answer they like, that's sometimes where you see the, they walk away from it. And it's like, yeah. you know, um, sometimes you just, the answer is no. And right. I'm not going to reveal that about myself. And I'm also, uh, this is God speaking. <laughs> yeah. I'm an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. I can handle, I, I, I'm allowed to have some things. I mean, not, not that, Johnny, not that, but God. I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> I think I give him, I give God the green light to say, you know what? I'm a little more intelligent than you are. So you don't need to know everything. Yeah. So, and just deal with that. And we struggle with that sometimes. But there's something I do kind of want to know. Maybe you can shed some light a little bit. You know, in the Old Testament, when people died. Yeah. I'm really obsessed with this for some reason. I'm <laughs> getting older, so start thinking about that kind of stuff. But when they would yeah, die, 44. there was something about the... I know, I'm like, oh, depends on how... Mid-40s. <laughs> Mid-40s, yes. Yes, I am. I was going to argue <laughs> with you, but no, that's true. Um, when people died in the Old Testament, there was the Abraham's bosom or something like that. Is that... What is that? Is that still around? What happens when we die? Are we just sitting in limbo? Yeah. Do you, and I, I tried to ask you last week a little bit. I want to. I want more. This is one of these mystery questions. Is it a kind bit? of a mystery? Let's see what you. Let's see what you've uncovered. Oh, not much. <laughs> not much. That's okay. Yeah. So I, I have a, I have a couple ideas about this, and, and there is the Abraham's bosom thing that that you you kind of go to Abraham's bosom almost as a waiting place, if you will, um, that you wait until uh, you will receive your your the judgment basically and then you'll receive your new body and and there's gonna be new heavens and new earth all that kind of stuff and god establishes his eternal kingdom and so so there's some people that that kind of think that that's how it works i have a little bit different view and quite honestly i'm not trust me i'm not i'm not dying on any hill for this view like you know you come and say john i think i think there's some other scriptures you need to look at and and consider and i could change my mind tomorrow pretty easily um, on this but but there is a sense in which um, you know, the passage we just talked about, right? Where it talks about the body and it talks about being absent from the body, being present with the Lord. Um, and, and what, what does that look like? And, and I'm not sure quite frankly, how Abraham's bosom fits into all of this. I think that's, that's, that's a difficulty for me. Okay. Um, but, but I think that God exists outside of time, right? He created time. He created the universe and, and he must exist outside of those things. And so, um, so when we pass, when we die, that we go to be with the Lord, just as the, the passage says in Second Corinthians five. We we talked about this last Sunday. We go to be with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so and so, I th- I think what happens is is there is a sense in which it feels like we are all arriving at the same time. That's what that's what it'll feel like. So if you, the, those who died, you know. Many many years ago, thousands of years ago, even and those who die today, it will feel like we are we are entering into God's presence at, at, at in one moment, um, because God exists outside of time, and so and so that's kind of how I think it happens. I, I can't. I'm not going to die for that um, on a hill, you know. It, whatever. However, it happens. It happens. Some people think that, and you know, and and, and in Thessalonians it talks about those who are asleep, right? Um, and so, so there's some different ideas about how do you synthesize all these things and what that looks like. Um, you know, if there's a waiting place like Abraham's bosom, uh, that kind of thing. Mm. So, so some people think there's a waiting place. You were with God, but you haven't received, you know, your new heavenly body and different things like that. I'm, I'm not sure to be honest with you, but, but my, my thought is that God exists outside of time, and that when we die, 
we will, it'll, it'll be like everybody arrives at the same time. That's a good, I mean, it's a good point because, you know, have you lost your mind? You know, it seems like it doesn't make sense though. And that's the thing, because we don't, how do you explain to somebody who lives in time? Yeah. What at the absence of time means? Yeah. You can't explain that because we we can't even experience that. Yeah. No one's experienced that before. So there is a, 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 there's a guaranteed mystery. Yeah. I have never experienced it. So I am, I can't. You know, I'm not going to argue that, you at, know, at a minimum, we know God experiences time different than we yeah. do he at, at a minimum. Right. Yeah. Um, well, you talked about earlier, you mentioned, and I was kind of going somewhere else, but you mentioned how we, um, ought to look differently when we encounter Christ. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a difference. And I think that's kind of the point of your, uh, your, the point of your sermon, your big point at the end was, um, we have to look different or crazy. Yeah. Right. To the world in order to be a follower of Christ. Now is, is, isn't that kind of hard to define and uh, would it look different depending on the situation? Like, do we just walk around being crazy Jesus freaks, like yeah. a tattoo on our belly, wheels oh, around, like, say, yeah, marmalade, yeah, jelly, I'm that's a Jesus, it, talks getting back together for a tour, man. Oh, just saying. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Jesus freak. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was a great album, by the way. It, it was a great album, but I liked it. I liked the first album too. It was, it was a little different. It was a little fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, it was like, good. It was good. A little Toby Mac influence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so what, what does it look? I mean, do we have to be that, that Jesus freak where we just look so differently or I mean, well, Johnny, pull up your shirt. Let's see. Do you have a tattoo you on your belly? You don't want to see that. Yeah. big fat belly. You got, well, I got uh, six-pack <laughs> six abs. No. Somewhere in there. No, they don't. Uh, yeah, I got a tattoo on my belly that says Jesus Freak. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. But, um, uh, yeah, we. That that's a good question. No, it doesn't mean we have to get a blowhorn, run out on the streets, or tattoo our belly, or or whatever. Like that. That's not what it means. Um, but there should be an oddness to us. Right. There should be something different about how we think and how we interact with the world. And 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 it should be, you know, the question, why do you always talk about Jesus? Like, that would be a great question. If somebody asks you that, don't take offense to that. Take pride in that, because that's who you love. That's what your life is about. It's not, you know, and people, politicians, especially, oh, you know, I want to this. This is one of my politician pet peeves. Right. When they go, they go, well, you know, I don't let my faith, you know, affects the decisions I make as a, you know, as I govern or whatever. I think that's the stupidest thing anybody's ever said in their life. And I just want to go, what's your faith good for then? But, but our faith should change how we make decisions. It should change how we think it should change. It should change our behavior. We, we, you know, it's almost become popular in some ways, at least for a while there where, you know, pastors who cussed from the pulpit was kind of like this cool new edgy thing. That's ridiculous. That's, I, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, that's not cool and edgy. That's, there's nothing different between that and the rest of the world. Um, if, if, if a pastor gets up and just says, here's your self-help message, here's seven steps to a better marriage. Well, I'm all for great marriages and I'm all for sermons on marriage. And, and if there's seven steps in scripture, fine. But, but if it, if it looks no different from the message the world is giving, then there's a problem. If it's, here's how to have success in your life and, in, in this life, if, if it's, if it's, you know, live your best life now, I'm sorry, I don't, this, I want to live as good of a life as I can now, but my best life I hope is in eternity future within new heavens and new, you know, new earth. And so, so there, there should be a distinction in how we behave, whether it's cussing or, where, or the places we hang out, uh, the, the entertainment choices we make, um, the political values we have and the way we vote should be affected. Um, how, how we, how we approach every aspect of our life, parenting, marriage, um, you know, whatever, 
Like, like all of these things should be influenced by our relationship with Jesus. And we, we should be a little bit different than the rest. And if we're not, if we're just like the rest of the world, then what, what, what good's our faith? Well, it sounds like you're even saying that when you talk about the politician, um, it sounds like you're saying that people expect just everybody to turn off their convictions yeah. and, and to, you know, whatever, whatever, um, governs them they, they expect them to turn that off and then actually do what is expected or what is by demanded the the by world. the rest of the world and when you say no i can't do that because this is what is the driving force in my life it's the thing that convicts me and i feel you know I, that i have to do this my conscience it's hard to people get offended by that they like, do why would you you know why would you make and live your life based on this thing that that guides you yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you, right? And that's the thing. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, how can you say, uh, you know, like I, I know you talked about, I think a politician before said, you know, I, I personally believe that abortion is wrong or something. Oh, yeah. But I want to oppose that. But I don't want to oppose that. No, if you personally believe it's wrong, then you should. Yeah. If you, it's not just that it's wrong. It's, and that's the thing. It's not like, oh, I, I personally believe that drinking is wrong. Okay. Well, that's a little bit different, right? You're not killing a human being. But if your conviction is and your scientific understanding, which it should be because this is what science shows, is that that, that that unborn child is a living human being and that when you have an abortion, you're killing it. You're killing a living human being, an innocent one at that. What is that? I mean, nobody wants to say it, right? Everybody's like, oh, I don't, want, I don't know if I want to say the word. But what is it? It's murder. It is. It, that's what it is. Yeah. We, can, we can try to justify it however we want. I don't. You know, necessarily want to, because I know there's, I know women who have had abortions and I, and I, and I, and I don't, you know, it's not my, it's not my place to condemn them in one sense, but in another sense, it, it is my, but the truth is the truth. I mean, the truth it, is is the, the truth. it is the truth and, it, and it's hard and it's hard. And the, and the reality is the truth is that maybe these women are hurting. Obviously they're hurting. Absolutely. And, and I think the culture is that I want to love them. I want to love yeah, them and sure. encourage them and all those things. But there is the, this ought to convict us. And if that's what we believe is happening, then it ought to influence how we how we vote, for instance, or, you know, and if you're a politician, it ought to influence how you vote. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think that's murder, then it should be then it should be illegal. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So I think I think we just have to continue to allow our consciousness. Con- I can never say that where the conscience is. I guess that's it. Right. Um, to grow. And we want them yeah. to, to grow. And we should never. Christ-like. We want them yeah. to grow Christ. Christ. Yeah. And we should never turn them off. That's right. And act differently. We should even when the truth comes and hits us, we need to listen to it. Yeah. Um, you you talked about. You've mentioned uh, Scott Haithman. I don't know if, if we're Haithman, pronouncing yeah. his word, I don't know either. his name uh, correctly. Yeah, a few times. Yeah, over the past Twice, couple. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just a f- that w- I guess two times, but um, at least two that I yeah. know of. Yeah, you, you could have said it even more. So, what is this book that you're reading? Apparently, because well, uh, it's, it's a commentary on on Second Corinthians, and actually, at, off the top of my head, I'm not sure which one okay. <laughs> because I I have several, and I'm and I and I read. A number of them, uh, but if you know if you if you if you're interested in that, you can go to Amazon. Sec, you know, Second Corinthians, and then uh, Haifman, uh, which I, I believe is spelled H A F E M A N or something like that. See if I can find it here real quick. Um, He's had a couple of cool things that you've quoted from him. Yeah, um, there's two ends on the end. H A F E M A N N. Yeah. A pretty pretty good book. Do you recommend any, any other resources other than um, so commentaries are just you know as you pre- prepare your sermon yeah. you'll read 
other views also that by men or yeah. women who have, you know, I don't want to exclude, but I'm no, sure you've read some women. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I'll read, I'll read multiple, te- multiple books about the text. And, and so, you know, um, I have some series that I like, you know, uh, the new international commentary in the new Testament is a good series that I, that I like. And, um, the pillar commentaries are good. Um, you know, there, there's there's several comments. Chuck Swindoll wrote a commentary on Second Corinthians, which which I think is helpful at times. Um, a guy named Hughes H U G H E S. This sounds about right. Something like that. Um, he's he's written a, a commentary on Second Corinthians. So I, I read all of these, and there's more too, like that. That's just a short list, um, and and they're all very helpful. Yeah, as far as additional things, and I know we're getting pretty long on this this uh, this. Uh, podcast but hang in there a couple more minutes here and um but we you know a couple abby johnson um you know we since we brought up abortion you know anything that she writes um that i've read anyways has has been very very good as far as her view on abortion and things like that so yeah, okay. those are some good resources. Well, John, we're going to wrap it up. We are. So okay. about, it's about, about time. five minutes longer thing that we wanted to be, but that's okay. Uh, it was a good one. Uh, what's the big idea for this week? Yeah, you know, the, the big idea is pretty simple. Confessing Christ means nothing if it is notched by embracing a crazy new life in Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.